The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. And I'm telling them what happened in August and they're like, oh, it sounds like it's vertigo, which is still related to MS. It's, you know, some, it's like a type of flare and they're like, moving me around on the bed and I'm like spinning I'm they're like doing all these vertigo testing and I'm like why is this happening to me and that was my biggest question I was like why is this happening to me welcome to another episode of the thriving over surviving podcast where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it I'm your host Edie Sahesian I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? I've heard quite a few diagnosis stories, and it's really interesting to hear how people first react to their diagnosis. Personally, I kind of just kept going, business as usual, but not really addressing, definitely not addressing my mental state. I assumed I was okay. I had so much going on that I just powered through, and I guess I've heard some people say they battled some depression in the beginning stages, and for many of us, that's ongoing, these depression issues. So picture this, dark place of confusion, depression, and anger to the point where you feel stuck. My guest and I today are going to explore how she leaned into her core value of accountability to focus on what she could control and push off those things that she couldn't control. The owner and founder of MS Candle Sense, LaToya, has been battling MS since 2018. Her mission is to bring awareness to multiple sclerosis through this candle making opportunity while she is supporting those living with MS, just like herself. So LaToya, let's chat it up. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. (laughs) So we connected first on Twitter. You are a Twitterer. If you guys are on Twitter, you have seen this woman. She loves to tweet. What brought you? What drives you to use that platform so i'm i'm old school i'm what they call it youth baby so you know social media early 2000s are popping up facebook i I, it's not my favorite of course i have a page there but i've always had a huge love for twitter and for a while i was like really heavy in instagram and then um and i'll say I, i got off of social media entirely but i kept my twitter so when I resumed into social media, I, I was all on Instagram and I'm like, no, I can't forget where I came from. I love Twitter. So it, it's really a good time to connect with people. I connect with so many people, especially people living with multiple sclerosis via Twitter and Instagram. 
it's pretty neat how people come in and share their stories and you can really connect to what they're saying. I know you and I have had the same DMT and I want to get into that later, but will you share with us your diagnosis story? Sure. It's it's interesting and I'll um, give, make a long story short. <laughs> it was summer of 2018. It was the entire year of 2018 I found out. But So I work for the federal government. I still work. I woke up one morning and I was in Atlanta, Georgia for work. They sent me to essentially get an idea of how it feels to work in our field office because I work in a headquarter office. And I was really stressed out. I had been there 120 days. It was a detail. And I was really stressed out. I was um, doing a lot of work. I was bringing a lot of my work home. And one day I woke up and the left side of my face was numb. And I was like, okay. Something's going on here. I don't know what it is. And my thing when I don't feel well, I sleep. So I was like, I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm going to say a little prayer and I'll wake up and it'll be gone. And I woke back up and it was still there. I could now feel it like going down my neck. I'm like, what in the world is happening? So in true fashion, I still got up. I went to work. <laughs> and then when I got to work, my coworker was like, no, you shouldn't be here. Just go to the hospital. And I'm like, I don't want to go to a hospital. I'm in another state. I'm not in my hometown. But I called my mom and she's like, yeah, it sounds like you need to go to the hospital. I think it was a full moon that night because I was in the waiting room for six hours. And then they put me in a room <laughs> in the back and I was there for three hours. And I was like literally dozing off and the guy comes in and he's like, we don't have enough room. So we're going to put you in the hallway until the physician's able to talk to you. <laughs> Well, finally, I got a physician and he's like, you know, you sound to be having, you, you, it sounds like you're having problems with your autoimmune disease. Nope. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I, I'm very familiar with autoimmune diseases. So I am going to skip CAT scanning you. And if you don't mind, it's going to take longer. So you'll be here like another four hours, but we want to get you scheduled for an MRI. So I'm like, okay, sure. Get my MRI. By now it's 4 a.m. and he comes back in the room and he's like, yeah, it looks like, you know, there's some multiple sclerosis there, but let's let you, and I told him, you know, I'm not from here. He's like, go home, find a neurologist. Here's your steroids. It's going to treat whatever flare is happening in your body and follow up from there. So I'm like, what? This guy must be crazy. And it was like a day later. I got like a notification from the online portal and I looked at the MRI and it's like suggestive of MS. So I came home, found a neurologist. Actually, if that wasn't my neurologist, she was an ALS specialist, but she works in the same office as my neurologist. And she got me literally up to my diagnosis and she handed me over to my neurologist at that point. I had went from three active lesions on my brain to six within a three month period. So it was pretty active. And the whole year of 2018, numbness and tingling in my legs. My legs were tingling the entire year. And looking back now, I can see, you know, MS was just, I was stressed out that year. <laughs> MS was just the forefront of it. And I had no idea. I had went to the doctor in, I think, April when they're like, oh, you have a pinched nerve in your back from a damaged disc. And I'm like, okay, cool. Taking meds, nothing worked. And at one point I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to feel my legs normally again. Yeah. It's very interesting because I've heard a lot of people say the pinched nerve thing from the doctor. And who wants to diagnose you with MS. Nobody wants that, right? We need the simple solution most of the time. But in our case, it's not. <laughs> 
and you have those symptoms for a while. And so it's easier to brush those symptoms off and say it's just something small. And you didn't have any other symptoms prior to 2018? So looking back, high school, I had a lot of symptoms. It, it's funny now because when I actually got with my biologist, he's like, I see a lot of black holes, which um, indicates that you've had multiple sclerosis for a while. I guess high school was stressful for me, especially 12th grade. I remember waking up and I was like numb and tingling all in my arms and legs. And then when I took a shower, like it radiated and I was like, something's going on. I told my mom and, you know, I went to the doctor that day and they're like, oh, it's probably anxiety or a panic attack. I don't know how many times dealing with was like a panic attack. And at one point I, I had friends that's like hospital and I'm like, no, it's something wrong. I will say in a, in a sense that that final diagnosis and I got that in November of 2018. So that was like four months after that initial face numbing. And he said to me was that oh, you've had it for a while. You look like you've managed it, but let's treat it. And that's, that's when it got dark and scary for me. How were you feeling at that point? Like, because so first off, when you first hear it, you're not at home, you've been away, you're working, you don't have your family there. So what, what was that experience like mentally for you? It was awful. So I had a week left on um, what it's called my details. So I was, I was literally sitting in Atlanta, like, okay, I have MS and I'm Googling MS and I'm seeing people in wheelchairs. I'm seeing all of these scary things. And I'm like, I don't want this. I can't deal with this. And it took me a few days before I told my mom, because I was like in tears. I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I don't know what this is going to be. Well, when I returned home, interesting enough, I was working from home and I fell and I couldn't get up. The room started spinning. I mean, spinning. So I was still in some sort of flare because I had to go, the, go to the hospital again. So now this is September and I'm telling them what happened in August and they're like, oh, it sounds like it's vertigo, which is still related to MS. It's, you know, some, it's like a type of flare and they're like, moving me around on the bed and I'm like spinning I'm they're like doing all these vertigo testing and I'm like why is this happening to me and that was my biggest question I was like why is this happening to me like I am a mom I am trying to have a career I'm trying to provide for my family why is this happening to me and of course we don't know why why we were uh dealt the MS card I think I've come to terms with it but for me it was really scary I, I held a lot of that in it especially because I was alone but I tell people all the time, please don't deal with it alone. Please don't deal with it alone. You said that it was pretty scary and you came home, you talked to your mom. Has she been a good support for you? My mom, my dad, son, surprisingly, he's helped me so many times because um, he's one-on-one. -on -one, he sees it with me. My boyfriend, to me, I didn't know that I would need as much support as I did. Um, I'm like, maybe I'll take medicine, maybe it'll go away. But, you know, when, when we go through go through what treatments are, those scare you. So I'm just like, I don't want to do any of this. I mentioned earlier that you used that accountability core value to really reclaim what had been your drive in life. So what did that look like? Can you tell us a little bit about how you've come out of that feeling of yuck? Absolutely. And when I actually got with my um, neurologist, like we immediately did 
three days of solumedrol infusions, I was still in a flare. And from that, steroids, they're a gift and a curse to me. I don't love them. Some people absolutely love them. They're like, they make you feel amazing. But for me, they made me feel like crap literally a few days after. And it's like hard for my body. I gained a bunch of weight because that wasn't the only one. I, I literally was like over and over and over getting steroids. So I gained a bunch of weight, got depressed, chopped all my hair off. I did a lot uh, within that period, but it took me, got hospitalized for, I had an ulcer from one of, one of my steroid infusions. It took me after that hospitalization and I was in there for five days. So it's like, you know what? You have to one, trust your neurologist. And, and I, ha- I feel like I, I still do. I love my neurologist. I have a really good neurologist, but I wasn't taking my medicine. I, I thought that it was something that I can control and it'll go, but it's, it was looking like it was just getting worse. So I, I started researching and I love to read. So I started getting books and looking online, YouTube, YouTube's amazing for some things. I noticed that there was some running, some running things and, and Dr. B his YouTube's I love one of, one of my, one of my support systems was like, there's this guy watch him introduced me to him and I saw him talk about diet and I saw him talk about exercise and I saw him talk about your DMT and just the combination of those things. I immediately changed my diet. It went through a few different diets, but for me, I and I landed on like this keto diet, low carb, no sugar, no dairy, gluten-free. In the beginning, I did great with it, lost a ton of weight. And I started to notice me changing my body. My body was was actually changing. So I've since modified it, but I still really eat low carb. I don't do refined sugars. Gluten is not my friend. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, living a living life with a restricted diet. And for me, it's not to like lose weight, but it's for my health. And then I started taking Copac. Hated it, but I took it. And I walked, if I couldn't do anything, I felt like at least I'll do walk because I can. And that was my goal when I started walking. I was like, hey, maybe I'll, I, one day I might not be, have the ability to walk. So for every day that I can wake up and walk, I'll walk. So I would take little walks, went from a mile to two miles to five miles. <laughs> I mean, it really ended up being something that I love to do, just getting out in nature and just walking. So. Those three things really helped me come out of um, depressive state. And there, there was a whole nother side and it was like Instagram and social media and just trying to share that with others. Cause I was meeting people like on Facebook and, and their outlooks were completely different. And that's what to me made me feel that I needed to be one accountable for myself and maybe help others be accountable for themselves when it comes to dealing with multiple sclerosis. Okay, so that is just awesome because you empowered yourself. And I feel like there's we could sit there with someone forever and they can talk to us and tell us all the stuff, right? But until we take it upon ourselves to really dive deep into it and find out what's gonna work for us, like I've never heard of this Dr. B before, I don't think. And so there's so many resources out there that you can utilize and 
finding what's right for you works. And so I love what you're saying about holding yourself accountable for the movement and the food and the thought process and all of those components because it does take a lot of stuff. And it's really interesting how you say you weren't taking your medicine. So you were first given Copaxone, correct? That was my choice. I, I will say my, oh. so when we, that literally that day, my, that ALS specialist said, here is Dr. Becker. He's going to help you with your um, MS moving forward. We got in a room and he has all these booklets, all these publications, and he breaks it down. He's like, this is the low tier. This is like the medium tier. And these are the high tier. This is the infusion. This is where we want you to be. With my insurance, he was like, you need to at least try and fail two drugs before we can really look into the in infusion. So you have these pills, you have this shot, and I want you to take everything home and read it, come back in three weeks, and we'll talk about it, you'll ask questions, and we'll figure out which one is best for you. Well, reading through some of those, you know, publications for those <laughs> medications, you're like, okay, I don't want PM, P, PML, I don't want, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's just like all of them come with, it, it's like really Russian roulette, like picking which one you end up taking and then which side effects you get or don't get. Um, I was like, okay, I'll go with the low category. I'll go with Copaxone. I had never injected myself before and I was like, it couldn't be that hard until I put the um, Copaxone in the auto inject and hit the button and heard that spring and felt the pain. So I was like, no, I'm not doing this. And I was like, I'm not taking my medicine and it's going to be okay because, you know, I'm just not going to stress myself out. That's what I kept saying. I'm not going to stress myself out. Internally, my body was stressed. So regardless of what I can control on my own at work or at home, inside was stressed. So nothing changed. I was like, okay, I have to take my medicine. And, and my, my neurologist, it's funny, when we got to the DMT that I'm on now, he was like, I can't give you that because you ghosted me for eight months. I mean, I literally gave you Copaxone and I didn't hear from you. So I don't know what happened. And I was like, well, like six of those months, I didn't take it. And then I started taking it. And then I just was like, you know, if this is it, I'll live with it. I actually stayed on Copaxone for two years. <laughs> and then finally, I was like, okay, I'm tired of this. I need something. So um, in my insurance, the first thing you have to take is Copaxone. So... I did that and I ended up having a really bad reaction to it at first. It's mild stuff like itching, but like intense itching. Like I remember my, you have to, <laughs> if you haven't taken Copaxone, you have to rotate where you give yourself the shot. So there's two in the belly, two in the thigh, two in your kind of like back-ish where you're, like where your back meets your butt and then two in your arms. So you rotate those, all those spots. Well, I remember going into Home Depot with my dad and my backside being so itchy. I had, I couldn't, it's like, dad, this is torture. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing you, but I have to scratch this. And then it moved into pain. And, and then before I knew it on my arms, became like these crazy blisters and within like two hours they all popped and they were super painful I didn't sleep that night I'm like I can't take this this thing anymore and what you said about the auto inject and the noise that that auto inject makes it is frightening so I, I'm thinking you're shaking your head tell me more I, I 
couldn't, so I couldn't inject in my legs or arms. I never tried that back, but it's buttocks area, but my stomach, it go figure. My stomach ended up being the place that was the least problematic. I remember when I first injected my thighs, I got a big lifted welt. And like my pores, like it was so lifted that my pores was like this big. Like I felt like I can just go straight through my pores. And then we went from Copaxone to Gladomir acetate back to Copaxone. It's all the same thing. It was so, it was so weird. I was like, I don't think this is changing anything. But we looked at Tecfidera at that time and I could not get past the side effects. Everybody's like, oh, you may lose hair. Oh, the flushing is really bad. I think the flushing for me was the one that stood out just about everyone. And I was like, I don't want to deal with it. So I just stayed on Copaxone and I would just, sometimes I would do the high portion of my stomach with the low portion or the left or the right. And my stomach is literally like a pin cushion at this point. Exactly. So how did you end up moving to the Limtrada? So I actually like the sound of Limtrada that first day in November in his office. But when I started reading through it and I, I one of the things I, I said when, when I started Limtrada, I'm like, I have to talk more about Limtrada because there are there to me is not enough people that take Limtrada that talk about it because I'm looking for it and I couldn't find anybody who's what they're experiencing or how they're experiencing it. But we, we kind of went through it. And when I went in this year, well, last year, when in February 2021, and he's like, you're like my runaway bride. How are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, I want to get off Copaxone. And he's like, what do you want to get on? And I'm like, Lemtrada. And he's like, I can't put you on Lemtrada. You have to come see me every month for me to do that. And I know you won't do that. And I was like, I actually will. I am like, I've done a 360. I am not that I'm scared, depressed. All of those things that I was before, I am accountable now and I will be here and show up for everything I need to because I am trying to manage how my life is impacted by my MS. So we did it and we did the paperwork in February. Everything got approved really quickly. So March 22nd, 2021, I started my five days. I'll say day one through three, I was like, this is a breeze. Day four, I started feeling like a zombie a bit. Day five, I really looked like a zombie. I have pictures where I had like dark circles under my eyes. You can tell I didn't feel like doing my hair. And I just was like, when is this over? It, I, I, could, I, I think my body could feel like my immune system just depleting because I had less and less energy. So after that five days, the weekend came. And the weekend was interesting because... That weekend for me, I'm a woman and I was dealing with my woman troubles and I was dealing with Lemtrada. My whole body ached. My whole entire body ached. My scalp hurt. My toes hurt. Every everything on me hurt was just hurting and I and I just was like, okay, this is getting bad. I will say I was in like some kind of a strong pain for like two weeks. And then after two weeks I could start feeling myself, you know, wanting to get my energy back, wanting to eat a little bit more. And after that, those two weeks, I was like, okay, is that it? <laughs> is that it? Let me Do you have anything else for me? And I will say my MS nurse, she says, you know, you've had very 
uneventful uneventful time with Lamtrada and I have. So besides those two weeks after, I've been feeling really, really good. No flare-ups. Still my numbness and tingling in my legs and my feet. That's about it though. Wow. And so you're going every month and getting a blood draw, right? Well, they come to my house, but then I do have to like do that uh, follow up with my doctor and we just, he just shows me the charts and I literally seen everything at the flat line and they've come up, they went a little down, they've come up, they went a little down, but now they're kind of steady and it's January. So I just went last week, we have submitted the insurance information to get me scheduled for uh, round two, which is three days. I am excited <laughs> for it, but I, I think I'm really more excited and anticipating the end, like maybe like September-ish. I have to go. I went this September and we did actually find a pretty good size active lesion on my brain. So I was like, yeah, he was like, you know, we're not going to stress it. You have to do your round two anyway. Let's see what your scans look like this coming September, and we'll see if you need to, you know, do a third year. So um, being optimistic, but I guess if I have to do a third year, I just have to do a third year, right? So I've been four years now, it's been since my first round. I know. So I have had the same pretty much uh, for three of those four years, the same woman coming to the house every month to give me take the blood. And she's like the most lovely woman. So I really look forward to her. And it's so much easier than going to Quest and making the appointment and all of those things. So then I'm not trying to sell them Trata because I, I, you know, that's not me, but it's how they monitor you because I did end up getting Graves disease. I was diagnosed with that. How long after your, like, when were you diagnosed with that within your? A year ago, I was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. I had felt it since September. I knew something was messy, but we were in COVID and I didn't get my monthly blood draw for a couple months. So I knew something, it was like a perfect storm. I knew something was funky, but I wasn't getting the monthly blood draw, so I couldn't tell. So they tried some medication and it's taken about a year to get me kind of back on track. But I'm feeling better now and I haven't had any new lesions, but a lot of people have round three. And so in comparison to how you were doing before, it seems like this is a win. It is. It really is. And what you you said about having Graves' disease, but it being manageable, I think that was one of my, one of the things that I realized with Lumtrata, at least if I were to get any auto, because, you know, you can get other autoimmune issues from it. They're all manageable. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm managing MS. So it's a risk, but it was a risk that I was willing to take it to to me. And it was like a miracle drug to me is what I kind of looked at it. It's like, why not take the risk, right? Why why not? Especially because look at what I'm gambling (laughs) in a sense. So if, LaToya, if you could title your story in a nutshell, what would that look like? Uh, This is interesting. So if I could title, it would be a blessing in an ugly disguise. And I say that, you know, just finding out I had MS, being in another state, literally coming back home, still being in the flare, but getting officially diagnosed and just going down that 
dark spiral that I went through to finally see that there was light at the end of that tunnel once I changed my mindset, changed my diet, started taking my meds. When I did all of that, it, it ended up being a blessing for me because I didn't before listen to my body. I didn't take care of my body. I didn't care what I ate. I didn't really care what I did. I really have a more conscious, I, I take a very strong conscious approach to what I do and how I listen to my body. And I take the time to see how my body responds to things. So if it wasn't for MS, I don't know if I would have done those things. I, I mean, I know... Many times I was so, oh, you need to lose weight. You should do this. And I, I didn't really, you know, nothing sticked. I mean, I was like a cereal dieter at one point. I was diet pills, this diet, that diet. But nothing really stuck for me. But it was really MS that kind of just woke me up and said, hey, Kate, you need to take better care of yourself, especially if you want to be around longer. And you have someone that relies on you and that you're responsible for and that you have to take care of he's he just turned 18 this year so I, I had him really young but he's grown with me and through this diagnosis he's been amazing he checks on me all the time I, I know when he's like hanging around my room he's like just kind of checking in or listening he He's very introverted, but he, he has a really keen tone to his mom and, and my needs. So he's been amazing throughout this entire process, throughout Limtrata as well. Like he took off, he he was working for Panera Bread at the time and he took off for two weeks to not bring anything home to me and just to help take care of me. So he's amazing. Yeah, he loves his mama. Yeah, that's the best, though. That's the best when you have those people that, you know, you can count on. And gosh, who do you love more than than your son? Right. And so, oh, lovely. Thank you for sharing that with us. Since all of this, regaining your health, you've made a lot of different choices, you're holding yourself accountable. I know that you have this project that you've been working on that is really cool. And I'd love for you to share that with the listeners and I. Thank you. So MS Sense Candle Company, I founded it. I make the candles. I I do everything for MS Sense Candle Co. But for me, so after my Lemtrata is when I started working on launching. I had this idea of, you know, resuming making candles. I, I made candles um, in like 2016 and 2017, just for my personal use. I love candles. I love fragrances. I love to smell good. All of those things. I've been loving candles since I was like a kid, literally. So I was like, how about I take, you know, something that I love to do and find a way to help others with it. And I've been working on like since 2020, how can I share my story of MS but empower others to take control of their destiny with MS. And it just all came together right after my, my Lentrada because of course it's COVID and you're in the house. And I started making candles again. And I'm like, this is therapeutic for me. Candle making is therapeutic for me. It's, it's something that I use when I have a long day. I just turn on some music and I make candles. Depending on what I'm making, some of them are aromatherapy scents. They put me in this mood of happiness, of of zen, of chill, of everything. So I was like, this this has to be it. I can literally share my story and my journey with MS 
while making candles and just having my candles be something to help people. I was talking to a woman who her husband had MS and she was telling me about the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation and how she's gotten grants from them to help her husband because he was debilitated by his MS. I think he had PPMS. And when I was like in the process of, of setting up my business, I knew that I wanted to contribute some of my sales to someone and I just didn't know who. And I remembered that conversation last year <laughs> that I had with that woman and I looked up Multiple Sclerosis Foundation and I looked at what they do and their mission. And I was like, I love this. And I just reached out to them and I was like, how can I partner with you guys? So I am official partner of um, the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation. 10% of all of my sales, I donate to them to help them help others living with MS. Since then, I have a website. So I initially started online. After this summer, after I kind of got out of my <laughs> bubble, because you know, let me try to put you in the bubble and especially with COVID and a non-existent immune system. About November, I did my first event and I met someone that not only went to my doctor, but also received a grant from the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation to help her. And at that moment for me, it was full circle. It was like, this is why you do this. This is this is why, you know, you work a full-time job, you get off, you make candles, you take photos, you update the website. You, I'm, I'm like literally learning to be a small business owner while I'm being a small business owner. So everybody was like, you're stressing yourself out. You just went through them, try to slow down. I don't really have a slowdown in me. I'm a Capricorn. I'm naturally a workaholic. I'm naturally a workaholic, right? So I'm like, no, I have to do this. Sometimes it's it's late nights and you know early mornings because I got to get back up for my full time. But I do it and I love doing it, and it just makes me feel so good to be able to give back. Yeah, because it's bringing you joy, but it's also bringing a lot of other people joy as well. So that is awesome, and thank you for that. I love that you're partnering with them. How entrepreneurial of you, too. And it really goes back to your why of why you're doing this. And I noticed that, you know, when you you have your candles in one shop, right? It's just the one. I do. And she has her MS story posted there so that people can read and understand why she's doing this. And I just think that that's awesome. And you know, it, it's bringing that creativity out of you too. It is. It was so exciting. So this shop, it's here in, in Baltimore and they sell just local goods made by people in the area and they sell everything. Like people knit, people do artwork, people make candles, people make body butters. And the owner is an artist herself. So when I reached out to, you know, see if I can get my candles in the store and she told me, you know, everybody has booths and you can come set it up how you want. And we can't wait to have you here. And I really want people to know that I love candles. I do, but it, it's, it's the message. It's the mission to me that's, that's bigger than the candles. It's, you know, the ability that I have and just using my platform to try to help others and, and, you know, I meet people all the time. They reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter and, you know, they ask me about MS. A lot of them are very new in their journeys and, you know, just giving them that that inspiration because I'll tell you, it's really heavy, but I, you're going to go through the heaviness just naturally with your disease. But 
I, I think to show the other side of it is just as important that you can live an active life in some in some way, shape, or form with a message just all about how you control it in, in your mindset. I love that. And that's why you're a thriver in here today. So let's tell people where they can find you and reach out so that they can, if they have questions or maybe purchase your candles. My candle page is MSense Candle Co. at MSense Candle Co. on Instagram. And my website is www.msensecandleco.com. And if you're local to the Baltimore area, my candles can also be found at It's Neighbor Made. It's in the art district in Catonville, Maryland. Excellent. Excellent. We were talking at the beginning and I was just saying it's so great to be able to come together with other people with MS that are like I said, they're thriving and learn from them. And you are one of those people by changing your diet, walking daily, changing your DMT, getting on your meds and taking them regularly <laughs> and focusing on yourself and being accountable to yourself. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to be here with me and letting the listeners hear your story because we can all benefit from each other. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.